Ladies and gentlemen, it is Sunday night. It is a special, extra special edition of the Lawn Care Help Desk. Now, whether you are cool season, warm season, all season, whatever season, or green grass season, or it doesn't matter. Hey, whatever season you identify with, we are here to help you tonight. I am joined by one of our illustrious co-hosts, Mr. Ray Ito, the Green Duck. Ray, how the hell are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it's a kind of a cloudy, miserable afternoon in Hawaii right now, but I don't care because uh, I'm with you all. <laughs> that, I don't hey, care. <laughs> we, we, we appreciate that company. Now, listen, you're probably wondering, now, where is that big, burly hunk of a man, Matt Martin? And the answer is he is, well, Ray, he's six foot four, so it would be hard for him to be neck deep in shit, but he's probably at least mm-hmm. up to his belly button or his nipples, somewhere in between there right now. Trying yeah, to deal with yeah, some issues yeah. at their at their new plant, and we're we're gonna give him all the grace in the world because he has worked mm-hmm. uh, exceedingly hard to get to where he's at right now, and we're not gonna let uh, this show stop him because you know what, Ray, we've got uh, an immense amount of cool season knowledge, we have an immense amount of warm season knowledge, and hopefully uh, some real talk that you won't get just about anywhere else on the YouTube lawn care space right now because hey, guess what? This is the community, right, boys and girls? All right, now listen. Yeah. Here's the way it's gonna. Here's the way it's gonna work. We've got some mailbag questions that have piled up here in the last several weeks as things have gotten going. So we'll kind of dip into those as we see fit. However, we will have the phone lines open here. Jay Pink, can you tell us the number to call and when folks can make their first calls? Uh well, we can go now. But the phone well, number is three zero four. 80 grass or 304-804-7277. You heard it here, folks. 304-80-GRASS, all right? 304-80-G-R-ASS, okay? So <laughs> fire up those phone lines. Let's hear it. I know several people just today have sent me messages saying, hey, what about this? What should I do for this, Ray? And you know what I told them? Mm-hmm. I said, there's a, there's a wonderful opportunity for you to call in. And give us, you know, not only your question, but let everybody hear those answers. Well, here we go. Right here. Here we go. Yeah. It's on. Caller. What's up, John? You're live. What is up? How's it going? How are guys? you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing good. To whom do we have the pleasure of speaking? Uh, this is Jake, uh, otherwise known as Ear, Nose, and Turf. Um, oh. How was that 24-hour shift, sir? Did you make it through? Me. Oh, geez, I'm so tired. <laughs> but there's three, <laughs> I did three 24s in the past week. So it's been a, it's been a rough week. Um, but I All the better slept to until have like a beer talk today. So. There you go. Yeah, had a couple beers. No, no, things are good. Uh, good. Question for you guys. Uh, I think it's Let's an it. apt time to talk about this is uh, strategies for breaking dormancy um, and early spring green up. Uh, I know that I've I've seen a couple lectures on the topic and and talking about using nitrate fertilizers, um, and there's been also talk about doing like uh, paints or pigments to help warm up. So I wanted to hear what your thoughts were. Yeah, that's a great question, and certainly I think if I remember correctly, not to give away your position too much, your docs the hell out of you, but you're in uh, the the northern part of. New York, somewhere in that in that vicinity, and so uh, yeah, yeah it's it's probably probably smells like crazy. Yeah, so you're probably getting like 
70, 80 inches of snow a year. So let me look up the weather yeah. coming up in that area. It's like it's 40 degrees right now. Yeah, not a particularly great forecast coming up for this week. You know, 40s maybe touching. Yeah, down. it was so here, warm. Yeah. Right. Right. So, okay. Right. So here's a couple of. Go ahead, Ray. So uh, you you basically had a warm spell and then you're back to cool. Uh, my advice is generally at that point, because the weather hasn't make up, made up its mind yet and Mother Nature's still drunk. Uh, yeah. I'd probably say just kind of uh, sit back and wait a little while because, okay, I've had this conversation with other people where these days the current thing is early, right? And right. the way I put it to somebody is <laughs> what would happen if you showed up early to a dinner and the host and the service line, et cetera, was actually not ready for you. Yeah. And that is what grass is like because you want to be early, but the weather conditions are saying it is not time yet, actually. So my advice would be to just let the weather stabilize a bit and uh, get into it at that time. <laughs> so, so what kind of trouble can you get into from being too early other than leech leachate you know other than leachate uh, uh how about stimulating the grass to do things at times when it shouldn't be doing things that's that's the other hazard is uh if you have this uh warm spell and you've juiced the grass up and forced growth, and then it frosts again, uh, I don't see anything positive out of doing that. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, I, I mean, see it, it, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just I'm don't sorry. see the, the the benefit of uh, being early in that case. <laughs> Let's see if I can dig up a quick message here, picture that I'm looking for. Um, okay. So a couple of things here. Um, number one, you know, you're never going to beat no mother nature. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. Uh, and that's, that's okay. So I think the question is like, uh, not necessarily like short term right now, but just sort of uh, best practices of early spring green up. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 All right. So, that all being said, uh, a few things that you can take advantage of um, kind of going in through uh, the fall, really, because that's when it starts. Ray will Ray li likes to quote me saying that you know the uh, fiscal year for uh, cool season turf begins on September 1st of the previous year. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is yes. especially true in colder climates because you have such a shorter growing season, right, that you need to take yeah. advantage of that. And it might even be a little bit sooner. In your area, I'm going to still say September 1st. Now, um, number one, a question I have for you, set up first best practices. Take me through your fall fertilization, say, from like October onward. What did, or you, what did you do from a fertilization standpoint? Yeah, so oh, I have it all written down somewhere. Just but ballpark it, ballpark in general, it. Yeah, ballparking. So um, I did a complete renovation 
burned everything down and tossed 46 tons of sand um, down on my uh, about seven, seven to 8,000 square feet. Um, so I got a, about an inch, inch and a quarter, uh, close to, you know, inch and a half of uh, sand everywhere and then put down uh, some uh, elite cultivars of just KBG, mostly a uh, compact midnight. So then that took forever. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I did that. That I did that probably around the very end of August, early September, and I thought that I was never going to have a lawn. Um, so it, it it started to actually look like there was something growing around October first, and that was when I started just going about anywhere from a quarter pound uh, to a tenth of a pound, uh, you know, every week to every other week until. It just wasn't, I wasn't cutting anything off anymore. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. you know, I, I would say a few things there that, uh, <laughs> you got to make sure that you have, you know, adequate nitrogen going to the plant using those best practices right. of what we've learned here in the last 10 or so, 15 years on late season apps and not that huge, big slug at the end, but rather trying to slowly curtail the feeding as you get, you know, get towards the end of fall. So say in your area, you know, most, if not all of your nitrogen should be down and applied by, you know, say Halloween at the absolute latest. Okay. So yeah. that's one, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing here too, that you mentioned specific to your situation is the uh, planning of compact uh, midnight. So the compact nature of it doesn't really concern me, but the midnight types in particular are very, very uh, slow to green up. I'm going to see if I can throw you some pictures. Uh, real quick while we're messing around and I got another picture queued up and I don't want to screw up J pink, but J pink, throw this one picture up. We'll do a quick aside here. And this is, uh, tall fescue. And this is in, uh, the mid South on uh, one of the Carolinas. And so they had a little temperature swing here recently where it was like in the seventies, almost 80, I think. And then they had a night where it dipped down to like 20, right? So these quick temperature inversions after you're greened up and after you have basically are, are actually mowing the plant, right? You know, what you can do mm -hmm. here is um, essentially lose uh, cell wall integrity and then cells just kind of go put on these new and succulent uh, leaf tissue or leaf shoots, right? And then you lose right. the grass blades. So, okay. So uh, the midnight types, it's something else that those things don't green up. I would strongly consider... Uh, or, or just understand that those are going to be a little bit more challenging to green up. I'll throw some pictures up in the discord that you can take a look at and have a look and see the difference here between say like right now, like mid March in Ohio and then mid April and how quickly yeah. that will change. So, all right. Uh, other things than that, you know, as far as the pigments go, yes, you can use those um, and those will help draw down some heat. And then lastly, Ray, potassium nitrate, cow nitrate, uh, cow nitrate, as long as you're not, you know, super exceedingly high, um in ph mm -hmm. it's really not even that big of a concern really but one of those two at low rates and when i say low rates that's going to be like a tenth of a pound you know a week just bump it along make sure that you have adequate carrier volume at least a gallon per thousand and uh yeah just wait for the warm weather man sit out there in the lawn yeah, in just... shorts and a tank top and hope yeah just kind of like uh you know put up the lawn chair uh you know, have a cold one, uh, as long as it's not a keystone, because even keystones in short supply right now. <laughs> but, 
you know, just kind of let it all happen. And if needed, uh, as long as your fall fertilization program was on point and you were doing that, you really don't need that much incentive for the grass to come up because the reason why I like to quote Ryan on your fiscal year for cool season grass starting on September of the previous year is because that is when your grass is storing all of its nutrient reserves. That's when it's storing it up. And as long as you took care of that the previous fall, when the time is right, your grass is going to be raring to go. It's going to be raring right. to go, go. No need to push it. No need to prod it. No need to whip it. Okay. Okay. Whip it good. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. I uh, love the show. Uh, it's good chatting with you all. Appreciate it, man. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. All right. We got a few questions to to uh, catch up on here in the chat. Let's start at the top and try and work our way down here. When is Matt going to put out granular products again? Uh, I don't want to answer for him, but they're working on some stuff, but I believe it's all going to be private label stuff for other companies. So uh, in the meantime, check out Subvert and check out uh, uh, the Ryan Orr brand. I know he has affiliation with those, and those would be good things to check out. So Lawn Supply Company, that's the one from Ryan Orr. All right, let's see here. C.W. Jones says, I have perennial ryegrass spots from the fall. 2020 overseed in my greening up Bermuda lawn in Virginia. I don't know how it survived two years and two MSM maps. Would a spot spray with Roundup hurt me? Ray, what do you think there? Two-year-old ryegrass and greening up Bermuda grass. What do you think? Okay. What I think is that, uh, you know, MSM is not always a sure thing regarding cool season grasses. Uh, I'd actually have to suggest going to something a little heavier and cool season grass targeted, like Monument or Revolver or even mm -hmm. you know, something like that, rather than just MSM, because did you know that MSM as a chemical has labeling for application to pastures and grazed areas at low rates. And it is mm. not, wow. for example, do not use on X grass. Uh, although the recommendation is if you have full season pasture or hay field, your rate is low and you combine with 2,4-D and dicamba to minimize or mitigate adverse effect on the cool season grass. So having said that, other strategy possible is you might have to do a pre-green up or early season application of glyphosate to your Bermuda you will expect a little bit of discoloration, but at the rates needed to kill ryegrass, that is going to be very temporary at worst. And when I say low rates, uh, 
I'm thinking in terms of applying no more than 16 to 32 ounce per acre equivalent of the glyphosate. And that should, uh, that should take out your ryegrass. <laughs> uh, Demay had to see. step away, but we do have a mailbag, Ray, where Question. someone in, yeah, northern Indiana uh, mm-hmm. is looking to see when he should apply a celeprin, or she. When he's, he, he or she should be applying their celeprin, well, uh, that depends on when his greenup occurs, yeah? When does he have greenup? Because normally, you are applying a celeprin during greenup because the difference between a celeprin and the older grub controls like imidacloprid is that a celeprin takes time to incorporate itself in the soil so you are okay to be a little early with uh, your celeprin oh early a celeprin app yeah that's no yeah, problem yeah. At all. you're okay you can... yeah yeah you're you're okay to be a little bit earlier whereas with uh, imidacloprid i know because it doesn't last as long you you have to kind of time it as close as you can to the grubs without actually having grubs. I mean, it was a little bit of a thing trying to time it, right, Ryan? Uh, yeah, it was a little I mean, bit of a problem. You, well, and it went, you know, win and lose some, but you know, basically, sometime between Father's Day, Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, we got a caller. Uh oh, caller, you're live. Hey, bud, it's uh, your fine fescue aficionado here calling in from Minnesota. <laughs> Evie, how are you this evening? Hey, Evie. I'm doing How's well. How's going, man? <laughs> I did some you, uh, you... some seed planting right now for some, uh, some of my vegetables earlier because we're about seven weeks away from our last frost. Man, is, uh, can you even see the grass right now? Is there is there still surprisingly snow yes we've been in uh we've been like fifty fifty five all week as our highs so it's just oh. a little bit of the shade areas now and the piles at the end of the driveway we still have snow Man. All right well then hey right. it, it, it's, it's so okay so you're getting in the spirit here it's you know it, it's been a long winter I'm sure so what is on your mind tonight what do we what do we need to talk about with the uh fine fescue or any any of the grasses up there in minnesota uh so now that everybody's seeing it i have i have some dog spots um but also i've had other people ask me questions on mold damage um and and more dog and bear spots um so i guess it's kind of piggybacked off of um the lot of of ears no and turf um about seeding in spring if I need how long I should wait um, and how close to my last frost I should be. So I would be, I wouldn't be too concerned about getting it up now and getting it going and understanding that you're probably going to have some attrition, right? Um, Yeah. Fine fescue, maybe a little bit more 
uh, affected, maybe not quite as much as like perennial ryegrass, where some of those, uh, um, it's really cultivar dependent too. Some of those cultivars can be really sensitive to frost, right during the seedling stage. But uh, I think this any any time you're doing a spring seeding, especially in a northern climate or a colder time, right? So if it was a month earlier here in Ohio, I would be telling you the same thing that um, you're you know, you're rolling the dice a little bit, you know, you're definitely not going to achieve a hundred percent or, you know, 90%, whatever the seed tag is telling you, right. Is, uh, your germination percentage in that bag. You're not going to come close to it, but right. The goal is, is to have a decent stand and get it up and going and then, you know, overseed into that and just be careful. Uh, you know, I, the only other thing I would say, and I'm not concerned with it up in your location quite as much, but with, you know, summer annual pressure and, you know, kind of dodging those spots, you know, with uh, pre-emergent or skipping pre-emergent altogether and just, you know, being very, very wary of crabgrass germination and going out there and getting some early post control. It's an option too, but uh, I would go ahead and go for it now. I've always had really, really uh, good luck the earlier that I went. And when I say that by like early spring, not necessarily like early, like December, but uh, early spring, uh, always had better results than waiting and then trying to mess around with heat and irrigation and it's not up and then the dogs are going out there tearing the hell out of it more like the, all those kind of issues will definitely play a part in it so get it up get it going try to grow it faster than they can destroy it yeah do so you think i That's, should just uh... send it sooner rather than later essentially yes sir do a yes. little test spot okay. too. Do, do save a couple save a couple of those Really nice oh, yeah. spots, and do some later ones, and let's. This could be your science fair experiment, man. You know. Yeah, I mean, I have several several different areas. Um, my backyard is, I have quite a bit of dog spots. Um, and last year I overseeded with rye, seeing how the winter damage would do, and I didn't necessarily have that much from what I could tell. Um, so I was gonna just overseed again in the back with, um, the rye, but at family member's house i got some pine fescue that i was going to put out for them um and they also have some dog spots as well so i could test both and then leave a couple spots open to test later on as well so curious of uh, do you know what the uh mix is there of pine fescue species that's going out a hundred percent gladiator hard fescue uh okay okay i got it special from uh, seed superstore so and then i also have um kind of because of that and um just because i don't have prodiamine on hand um i would either have to go out and buy prodiamine or clinclorac so this year i'm just opting to skip the uh, pre-emergent and just buy clinclorac and uh, just be diligent about going out there and looking or possibly doing like a bank blanket app um kind of early or I guess kind of more mid late spring up here. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. if you, if you got that out pre June, go ahead, Ray. Okay. If, uh, you know, is what people don't know about quinclorac is that quinclorac in and of itself can be somewhat of a pre-emergent as well. If you apply it broadcast to the area in question, because usually the normal use pattern of quinclorac is as a spot spray divisible crabgrass. 
But the other way to use quinclorac is when you're in your early, you know, stages of crabgrass emergence, go ahead and do the whole area, and that can serve as your pre-emergent. And in your case, Evie, I don't worry about longevity of the quinclorac very much because you don't have a very prolonged growing season because winter comes again soon in Minnesota. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was the other thing I was going to say with my spring seeding here is that I have the, uh, the warm season growth pattern in my cool season climate. So um, mm-hmm. seeding in spring mm-hmm. is less of an issue up here. And I actually had really good success doing it last year um, at my mom's house. So, Two, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. little quick, if you want to do a little FAFO, right? I would tell you two different things mm-hmm. to try. I'm always, I'm always about adding layers of complexity if I can. Um, <laughs> number one, shut up, Ray. Um, number one would be add uh, a little bit of chewings fescue to your mix, like 30%. Okay. Like that, if, you, if you can get a little bit. Yeah. Chewings, uh, chewings will, will, will germinate at a much lower temperature. It'll give you what they call a nurse crop, right? So something to kind of hold in there and uh, basically surround and, and shelter, you know, the uh, hard fescue until it gets up and going. So take a look at that if you have the opportunity to get some locally, pick some up, and just maybe try some with, try some without. That would be number one. Number two, if you have areas that are sans dog or you can keep um, dogs and kids away from it, so maybe, uh, you know, at the other location that you talked about, is uh you know try some some growth covers just the fabric ones and i can throw you a link over in the discord to check those out they're pretty cheap i want to say it's like 25 30 bucks or something to have a whole bunch of them okay. sent to your uh, sent to your door so again just something else to mess around with and see if it works and it could be a strategy that you employ going forward if it does yeah okay sounds good well right. thanks guys Appreciate it. It was, Hey, it was nice that, I mean, I know you missed Matt making fun of your accent and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll catch you on the next one though for that. Okay. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. You betcha. Absolutely. He's watching. So I wanted to make sure you got that in there. All right. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Amy. Look at that. Coming from the great white North. Right. How about that? Mm-hmm. You, I, I mean, yeah. I thought they still probably had snow on the ground up there. I, no, I, I think winter is uh, retreating uh, early in some parts of the country, right? It seems like. It is. Isn't it? It's, it been like a, it's been a warm spring so far in most of the continental United States here so far. All right. Let's see. Uh-oh. Ooh. Oh. Who's calling? Caller? You're oh. live. Turn Hello, down. Ryan Gray. Oh. This is Turf Truth. It's an honor to talk to Ohio Turf Man and the Grass Doctor. Flagship is BS. What's up, guys? It's a former member of the organic, the Black Organic Society. <laughs> Joe, I love you to death. Joe. But you have way, way too much free time on your hands. <laughs> Joe, I don't know, man. There's uh he i didn't hang up on him he hung up he got in he did his joke and he got out <sighs> love it well i mean i think i think uh, I, and um, like i said i love the guy but i'm pretty sure that he lives his entire life having conversations that are no longer than a tiktok and then he's out all right 
caller. Hello? Down your radio. Turn down your radio. What's up? Even though it's not a radio. My radio is down. First time welcome caller. Back. Time what can I say? Yeah, welcome. Welcome back. Welcome. Hey, I heard. Now listen. Joe's back. And Joe lives his life in uh, three minutes or less in the TikTok world. So we'll try to keep this under three minutes if we can. Um, now listen, Joe, there is a terrible, nasty rumor going around that not only are you not organic, but you are no longer the organic lawn warrior, but you are literally ready to take all those t-shirts, set them on fire and put them out with your own urine because you are going to be the conventional lawn warrior this year. Is this accurate? That is true. This is accurate. You heard it right. I really want to get that TikTok of you setting those organic lawn warrior shirts on fire and then urinating on them to extinguish them. I need that in my life. I think we all do. I think we all do. They're they're actually in my garage now. I use them as uh, like rags for, you know, cleaning up after spills and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So um, you, you, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't want to throw your pictures up without. So, um, no, that's Ray, fine. No, you can, you, you can. Oh, I can, I can, I can. Oh, wow. Look at this, this guy. I will oh, send nice. over something here. This, this is a good one. And it's not too high res, but you can still get the picture. No pun intended. There we go. All right. Throw that up there, J Pink. So, all right, so Ray Joe is dealing with some broadleaf weeds in his lawn. Mm-hmm. You know, right there across the river from Jersey. You know, stuff like this. It looks like uh, mostly clover, from what I can tell. What else are you dealing yeah. with, Joe? Have yeah. you been able to ID the weeds? So, so honestly, I'm getting a lot of. I I, I do get clover every year. Seems like it comes back. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then some of the lighter greenish. Uh, grass that's popping up now. What's weird about it is that some of it has seeds that are starting to form, and then some don't. Some, um, but there's a delay on the YouTube, so I can't really like see. I could see the one picture you have up now. But, I gave you the, it was the first um, one you sent me, where the sidewalk and the driveway are right there. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the other one might be a little bit better too. I might, I'll see if I can find a closer one, but, uh. but, but anyway, anyway. Um, so the the one some of the so like some of the grass I was saying is lighter and has the seed heads, but some of them like when I pull on the grass, it doesn't want to come out easily. And I feel like poa is, I know it has shorter roots, and it can be pulled out very easily. But some of this stuff just doesn't seem like it wants to come out. Not if that makes but, sense. So not not necessarily an ID characteristic that I would be hanging my hat on is. Is it easy to pull out or not? There's a there's if you like that kind of method, uh, there's four more steps to it. And uh, there's a guy out in Utah with a uh, a, a lawn care YouTube channel that you can go check out. He'd be glad to help you out. Um, but here in real life, where we live, uh, that is not yeah. an ID characteristic we use. So uh, I believe you have a hundred percent Kentucky bluegrass lawn. Is that accurate? No, no, it's not. Mostly tall, mostly tall fescue. Mostly tall fescue. Ah, okay. Mostly. I just tall saw fescue. your MVS three sixty five stuff, and I thought you were pimping hard with that. So. Oh no, no, I don't. I, I didn't throw that down. I, mine was a ninety ten mix of mostly ninety percent tall fescue and ten percent uh, Kentucky blue. 
And when did you do that? All right. In the fall. It was Mountain View Seed in the fall. Okay. And so are you familiar with how to ID Poa Annua? Other than um, just looking at the color. I like mean, if you're, no, like I know some, I know Kentucky blue, depending on, I think that's like something with the stem and then the grass heads are different too. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I've seen a couple, I hate to say this, but I've seen a couple YouTube videos on it, but you know, I, you can't trust everything you see on, on YouTube these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now um, I'm going to see if I can find you a good graphic here. And if not, there are a couple of decent other resources. So the biggest thing is uh, the easiest way to ID that is going to be, it's going to have the same mid rib, right? Going up the center of the leaf that um, Kentucky bluegrass will have. Kentucky bluegrass has that boat shaped tip at the end, all that jazz. Uh, The defining characteristic between Poa Anya and Poa Pretensis, which is Kentucky bluegrass is going to be the ligule. I will send you uh, let me see here. Yes, plant morphology ligule. Uh-huh. Oh, perfect. And actually, there's a great guide from my friends at Ohio State. Oh, he hung up. He hung up. Well, I'll keep going there. He must not. He. I don't think he knows how to use his phone. Listen, you're getting throttled. You're getting throttled on your phone calls because you're using all your bandwidth to upload TikTok and Instagram videos. You do realize this. <laughs> I got you. I do. I do. I got two bars. I, I got. I don't know what the hell. I don't know what the hell's going on. You're you're clearly out of any time minutes, and you're only allowed to use night and weekend minutes now. That's the problem. Okay, we're on to you. We figured God, it out. All right. Goddamn so The uh, anyway. The ligule. You're gonna have a taller ligule, tall membranous ligule on the poa uh, annua. You're gonna have a shorter ligule on the uh, poa pretensis, Kentucky bluegrass. So, figure out where that ligule is. Okay. Look at the difference there. I will send you a guide. We'll post a link in the chat here on the tubes, and you can go on there yourself and learn how to ID grass. So, <laughs> terrible. I can't. J Pink. I'm not gonna read that on the air. All right, never mind. I'll, we'll talk about that one later. But anyway, um, I can't. I got to get it together here. All right. It's <laughs> anyway. I I just want to make sure you don't have poa. The other thing, what should you spray on those weeds over there, Ray? What do you think? I mean, get this guy like a quart of speed zone and call it a day. And make it easy on him. What do you think? No, actually. Uh oh, here we go. Spring it. Spring clover, I actually prefer a reduced risk option. Oh yeah, yeah, I prefer triclopyr. How about okay. speed zone and triclopyr? That's a little spicy. Yeah. Uh, oh, hey, listen, when you've been organic but, for a while, sometimes you want to go swing all the way but, to the wild pull, side. You know what I mean? Pull but. but I also keep in mind that uh, you see, triclopyr is the herbicide that is the most efficacious on clovers, and it is not flagged as uh, an environmental or 
human toxin at all. No. Triclopyr is, uh, you know, basically, let's put it this way. Most environmental groups don't even know what triclopyr is. What if I throw out the C word? Because I have some of that from the fall. The what? The what? The T the word. The herbicide. The T word. Oh, Tenacity? you guys can okay. guess what herbicide that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tenacity? Tenacity? Yeah. No. Well, no, no, don't. <laughs> because all tenacity does to clover, Joe, is just turn it temporarily white. That's all okay. it does to clover. It, it just turns it temporarily white. But then a very small amount of triclopyr will actually kill that clover dead so that it's not likely to come back. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Start with that. Start with that. Yeah. And yeah. And and remember, play go safe. Just don't uh, don't go out there on your first first go around with a uh, a labeled herbicide and just you know uh, go wholesale on the entire yard. I would do a small area, get your get your legs under you, and then you know mm-hmm. go out. So. Practice on the you yep. know practice on the JV area and then you can go full go on the varsity right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Keep all those five Thank fouls. You guys. You're gonna you're gonna need them. I I will, I will. All Thank right. you guys and uh, you guys are the best. Appreciate everything you guys do. Appreciate you too, Joe. Look at that. Have a good night, Joe, the Lawn Warrior. Uh, a man of many talents on the, on the video editing side, and yeah, yeah. All right, let me see here. Go through the chat. Da, 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 da. That's when? Okay, here we go. Altman Lawn Service says, mm-hmm. Ray, when should yeah. I spray out the ryegrass on newly sodded Bermuda? It's been installed for about a month. The sod was overseeded by the sod farm when he's near Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. What do you think on new sod that's been down a month? They've had a fairly decent spring down there so far, you know, for right. Well, being, I would easily, say they're probably maybe a little ahead of schedule, but go on. Well, he's again looking at putting down revolver or monument, probably, I want to say, sometime in April. He's about ready. And the, I don't like to place you know applications on dates i place applications based on what the grass is actually doing and has that sod rooted in is the bermuda starting to actively grow if you answer yes to both questions then i'd say it's time to spray out because what the people that are, you know, in the past would tell you is, oh, you can't apply anything to new sod. False. As long as it's rooted. Caller? Hello. You are, li- you are live. Hey, this is Mike Harper, Harper Explorers. How are you guys doing? Mike, we're doing great. Couldn't be better now that we're talking to you. <laughs> what do you got for us this night? Well, I uh, re 
replant. Actually, we didn't replant. I did a complete burn-off renovation. Use the Jonathan Green um, blue mix uh, in my front mm-hmm. yard, which mm-hmm. is mostly tall fescue, but I uh, have some weeds and uh, roasted about 90% of it. And my problem is, is I used triclopyr, and I think I used a rate that was much higher than I was supposed to. What's the chance of it waking back up and and living? What rate are we talking about here? Did you? I think I did figure? point. Yeah, it was point seven five, which is the uh, per thousand per gallon, mm-hmm. and that is the uh, sorry, thirty-two. So Court, yeah, 32 ounces, quart per acre, Ray. Quart per so, acre I think is, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's high, but it's not like... No, quart per <laughs> acre is nothing on a pool season lawn, okay? It, it is nothing that I would be alarmed at or afraid of. I mean, you didn't do this to the lawn in midsummer, right? You did this no, in the I fall. No, I did it three weeks ago. Just three weeks ago. Three, oh! Three weeks ago. Oh! <laughs> oh, so if right you now it, it's it's stunted. It's green, but it has gray and brown in it, and it's not growing. Well, well, the gray and the brown might have to do with uh, temperature fluctuations more than the triclopyr, because uh, ordinarily triclopyr is very well tolerated by turf type tall fescue. I mean. Triclopyr and turf type tall fescue are, are literally made for each other. So I wouldn't blame it on a label rate application of triclopyr. It's, uh, I mean, if somebody gave me a turf type tall fescue lawn that had broadleaf weeds in it that needed killing, triclopyr would probably be my one of my first things that I'd reach for <laughs> at okay. the 32 ounce so per you, acre rate. <laughs> where it just do you generally think right speaking, now, Ray, that it's just. It's just dead. Like, I mean, it's not dead, but it just sort of went dormant. It just sort of went dormant, I think. That that would be my okay. guess. I mean, because, again, you are not in the set of conditions where I'd associate triclopyr was causing excessive damage to turf-type tall fescue. Because it's still oh, cool, isn't it? News. It's still cool yeah, right now, um, isn't it? And- no, next week is going to be our first day in the 80s. So we're, you know, 42 to 77, you know, back and forth every single day and night. You know, 35 degrees from 33, 34 degrees up to about 73, 74. So it goes up about 32 oh, that, degrees that, every single day. Yeah, yeah that, that's not that. That's not that hot. That's not that's not horrible. I mean, because yeah. on the other hand, if you told me, uh, you know, you're spraying this and the daytime temperatures are in the high 80s low 90s i'd say okay that's a different story you're on your own <laughs> but if you're doing my, it while it's my so biggest cool, point okay go ahead Sorry, is, you're fine yeah yeah if you're, okay. you're doing it while it's still cool you're fine you're okay my biggest point was this is the uh, i'm in the transition zone in northern california with that little mm-hmm. you know the valley that goes up through california that gets all the nice weather uh, so we don't get you know any kind of freezing, but we had a couple of freezes, and then. But my uh, my goal was to uh, kill off the Bermuda in this yard, mm. and that that was one of the reasons that someone suggested to use the triclopyr. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Okay, well, 
again, your time to do that kind of an operation is literally right about now. I mean, you get it going and continue applications until you start hitting temperatures in the high 80s, low 90s, because once you hit those temperatures, then it's time to pull back the triclopyr. Okay. That's awesome. That's such great news. I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I, I've been I, so I'm worried. worried. Trust my... Okay, good. <laughs> I'm not worried. It's, I mean, the, just, only th- the only thing to watch out for is... Growing. Yeah, and I think give it... Come back and talk to us in about another two weeks based on the weather I'm looking at you know, nearby okay. where I think you are, and I think, Chico. I think you're going to be fine. Chico. Yeah, I'm just north of Sacramento. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks awesome. for calling in. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Now, listen, Ray, there's something we need to mm-hmm. deal with here. Very important. And, you know, it's to pay <laughs> homage to our fearless leader. I know that Johnny Fescue, not necessary, sir. Absolutely not necessary. All right. <laughs> not needed, card, right? Put the credit card away. All right. Yeah. Go do something else with it. Okay. Go buy yourself something nice in the, you know, marital aid section of uh, Amazon <laughs> or something. <laughs> not for her, for you. Okay. All right. Let me see. Slide down here through the chat. Blah, 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 blah. Let's see here. Oh, somebody's giving away flagship. Oh, here, uh, WMF. Hi, all. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. What's up, dude? I can't work on my lawn much anymore. I have some product to get rid of that I can give to anyone that can pick up. Should I post details on the lawn forum or go to the TGF Discord? Um, I'm sure there's folks that would pick it up from you. So, uh, yeah, reach out. I know uh, there's a couple of a couple of guys and gals that would probably do that. So, if you're interested, in that, do it. Caller, li- caller, you're live, yeah. and you need to turn down your radio. Turn it down. We can hear you. To whom are we speaking? Uh, I'm Dan. Dan, how are you this evening, sir? Yeah, I'm. I'm good. I'm good. I listen to uh, you guys all the time. Um, I'm another Minnesota guy. Appreciate it. Um, And uh, so I'm, I'm in Minnesota as well. And I had a few different questions and um, our growing season is so short. So first of all, I, I'm on like a 0. 0.5, 0.75 height of cut um, on Kentucky bluegrass, you know, majority oh, perennial ryegrass. And um, I've done the sand capping system, um, Greensmaster, 1600, the whole thing. And since our growing season is so, since our growing season is so short, I, the one thing that really, really kills me in, I would say, you know, September, October is the worm cast. And, you know, I've heard that, you know, if you add more sand, the better, that just hasn't been the case for me. And I'm wondering if, if, if there would, if it would be terribly wrong to kill the worms and how bad that would affect my soil. Oh. <laughs> oh boy there's some, okay so let's start with the, let's start with the first statement and and number one kudos to you for doing that in minnesota that's not an easy thing to pull off and if you're doing it successfully then 
clearly you got all your stuff together because uh, that's not that's not happening by accident. So uh, appreciate the the level of effort dedication it took to get to this point. So yeah, you're in this stage of last five percent of you know trying to optimize and get everything better, and certainly worms are going to be a big barrier to that. So number one, the whole uh, idea of uh, adding sand to prevent worms. There there was some anecdotal evidence that suggested this for a long, long time, and uh, that's sort of been the prevailing thought. However, uh, as of late, uh, 2018. I'll throw this over into uh, JPink so we can put it in the chat. And Ryan. yeah. Okay. The thing about sand capping is that what sand capping doesn't necessarily address that is, you know, tied into the worm activity is if the soil below the sand is very tight and poorly drained and poorly aerated there will be an issue with worms yeah okay there there so, will be an issue with with uh, with earthworm and <laughs> so uh, the the well okay so this this research that was conducted at the University of Arkansas by a talented researcher named is Page P-A-I-G, Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E. And Paige sought to, to prove, okay, hey, like how much sand do we need to add to get rid of the worms? And guess what? She found out that it was actually, uh, the, the more sand that she had, the worse that things got with the worm casting. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She was even surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, she's continued to do this work. It started out back in uh, 2018, so it still continues. Uh, she's, I believe, now defended her PhD and is now working on this as a postdoc, but uh, there are no good answers for you other than things that are uh, either very um, short-lived, like you know, there are certain fertilizers that you can apply that will um, discourage worm activity, at least from the surface anyway, and that's not always mm-hmm. uh, the most uh, financially sure thing. responsible thing to do or a sure thing. And the other things that you can do are uh, technically not legal, Ray. Right? They're not. They're not legal. But uh, I am familiar with uh, what will drastically reduce earthworm activity, especially on turf maintained at a half inch or lower. I'm extremely familiar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I mean that. That's just. Uh, that's just something that uh, all of the golf people in the United States and the UK know. Okay, they so know I, it. <laughs> I, I think the other thing, too, that you have to be mindful of is, you know, you have to kind of change your maintenance practices. Like, that's one of the one of the things that you absolutely do have control over, right? And it's still legal, so, like, Again, uh, there's some good implements out there now in terms of uh, some brush type implements and some other things that, you know, if you're committed to doing this, it's an extra step, add step, added cost of equipment, and things like that, that will definitely help uh, your cause. And then also mowing dry. So like those two things alone of being able to get those things dried out and then clear them off either. Um, there's some, that, some of these brushes that will go out in front of the mower, like 
um, I'm not sure what would fit on a 1600 if there are any that would do that or if they would all have to be a separate implement. I'd, I've got to school myself up a little bit on what okay. the latest and greatest out there. On a 1600, Ryan, the brush attachment that goes on the uh, cutter drive unit for the 1600s and 1000s, what that will do is the, that brush is forward rotating, not counter rotating. So what will happen is it will break up the earthworm castings probably, but it'll throw those earthworm castings straight into the mower blades. Mm-hmm. I would probably, wow. I would probably, I would probably look to a separate sweeper or implement where you can brush off or sweep off the the green before trying to mow. I would kind of look towards yeah. that. In, in yeah, state, I've, I've I mean, honestly, yeah, I've been crazy enough to stand out there with like my blower and literally mm-hmm. blow every one of them off like a crazy person. But that just takes forever. <laughs> and then I get a nice mow in and then boom, they're back up the next day. And it's just like, yeah, you. Lo- I almost lose probably a month of mowing because when you mow over that, they just look like patties in the lawn, right? They look terrible. Yeah. It just really makes your nice turf look like crap. And it's not very sightly, and it's just something that I'm just sick of. And it's like uh, every fall, it's just something that I just I dread because I know what I'm what I'm up against. And, and I know there's not a clear cut answer. Um, one one other quick question was: so like if if I'm planting dahlias and tubers, is there anything that you that I can put into the soil to deter anything from eating my dahlias and tubers from the underneath the ground? You guys find any luck with anything like that? Not from, I'm more familiar with, you know, preventing like deer and other wildlife, you know, rabbits, things like that, trying to deter them, not so much from underground necessarily. Ray, you got anything? Well, the only other thing that I would try for, you know, predation by various animals is extremely hot red pepper. Red pepper. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, pepper, that's one of the things. Capsaicin. Basically, capsaicin, like, uh, like when I want when I want animals to stay out of a, a flower bed or a garden area, I literally use the red pepper that's uh, too hot to eat, like you know the ghost chili or the uh, Trinidad scorpion chilies. Oh, wow. yeah, you know the the ones where the you see the people on. Uh, YouTube biting into one of those and they almost die from it. I use say. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that, wow. that's not that's not like something that uh, you just casually, for example, throw into a pot of chili because you'll kill all yeah. your dinner dinner guests. I mean, I'm talking about that kind of chili. It's where I remember having a can of ground ghost chili powder. My God, that stuff worked. It almost worked on me too because I I got the blowback from it. <laughs> I was gonna say when I look oh, at those oh. things and my rectum cries, so I don't, I don't even go near that stuff. Right, right. Well, the, I, uh, uh, I do appreciate. <laughs> go ahead. I do appreciate you guys, and um, you know, I thank you for all that you guys do uh, on online and all the other forms that you guys are on and the Discord and all that. And, um. 
we truly learn a lot from you guys. So thank you very much for taking your time to do all this stuff. Appreciate it, Dan. Thank you so much. I'm going to have you. J-Pink drop thank you. a quick uh, a quick link. Take a look at these brushes, and uh, we'll have that in the uh, YouTube chat. Take a look at those. See what you think. I think that'll help out. But appreciate the call tonight. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Look at that. Two Minnesota calls, Ray, and it's the first day of spring. It's going to be hot to trot in the lawn space this year. I can tell already. I can tell yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. So, well, look I'm looking at this here. At the at the brush that you uh, put a link up to, and that's a pretty interesting thing because it looks almost like a broom that you throw yeah. in front of the greens mower. I mean, it's like a it's like a big, you know, purpose built push broom, and I could imagine that being kind of useful for even for the purpose of kind of combing up the grass. Although what I typically use to comb up grass is I set my groomer down, except only at like 30% of actual height of cut. Yeah. So it just is, it's just teasing the tops. It's not cutting in. <laughs> the, uh, no, the, the brush, those slip down brushes are highly, highly, highly effective. The sports metal ones are probably some of the most simple ones. Wow. That was intense. for mm. time. Um, yeah, but yeah, probably some of the best ones out there. So, uh, certainly Ooh, other and they even have them for, ro- for rotary mowers too. That is neat. That is neat. Yeah. I mean, because I, yeah, if you're I down, recognize that more like a Honda. This is the Massport. Yeah. yeah. It's got the Honda engine on it, but oh. that's the old Rotorola right there. The Rotorola. Whoa, man. So it's got yeah, a, that, it's got that, a solid drum drive on the back end. That's a, mm-hmm. that's the a rear, badass setup rear, right there. Yeah, that is the mower for putting down straights when a greens mower is not feasible. Those are good mowers. Caller, you are live. To whom do we have the pleasure of speaking? Hello? 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 Hi. How are you? Hi. Oh, we're doing great. Hi. To whom, to whom do we have the pleasure of speaking? This is Brent from Professional Turf Services. How are you? Brent, it is great to hear your voice this evening. Where in the world is Professional Turf Services located? How can we find you? It is located in Ludlow, Massachusetts. All right, Ludlow. I was I was not that far away a couple weeks ago. I was up there in Providence. Had a couple of ganses oh, well, and tried to really cool. take in uh, take in the scenery there. So it was uh, it was a good time to be there. But Listen, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about you. What do you got for us this evening, sir? Oh, I just, uh, I, I love your show, and uh, I'm watching it now. I turned down the radio, as you say, but um, I, I'm trying to discourage my customers from doing a uh, spring um, spring dethatching because we have a mm-hmm. lot of bent grass. And uh, oh boy. I just mm-hmm. I put out into the universe why that might be a problem. So the you, the question you're asking us is if you were going if if you were to bring along a little bit of muscle, right? Like Ray, look at Ray exudes muscle. If you look at this guy without a shirt on, it frightens people. Okay, 
but uh, yeah, not and in, literally not in a the, bad way. Not a bad no, way. No, I'm literally exactly the same size as Bruce Lee was right now. <laughs> He's a tough guy. And yep. He, yeah. Hey, Ray's, <laughs> Ray's, Ray's a tough guy too. Ray Ray's the kind of guy who would have to eat a whole bunch of food to make weight for the wrestling meet, whereas I would be running around in a sleeping bag uh, covered in a sweatsuit <laughs> to make weight for the wrestling meet. Oh, yeah. I digress there for a moment here. So if if I was going to have this conversation with a customer, I would say, look, you know, there are reasons why and why not we do every single cultural practice we do to your lawn. You know, the most basic cultural practice we do is mowing, right? Well, why do we, you know, do right. we mow every single day on your lawn? No. Why would we not do that? Well, it, it, you know, it'd be great to do, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from an economic impact and from a quality impact in most cases, right? Why do we not mow every four weeks? Well, because that's also going to be a detriment to quality and also economics in a different form and fashion, right? So the same could right. be said for dethatching, right? There's a time and a place to do this. And in many cases, many cases, whether you have bent grass or not, it's not the time nor the place to do that, okay? So with the bent grass right. issue, you know, I think what uh, you know, the things I would lay out is, okay, well, number one, uh, if this is, is this a problem for you? Yes or no? You like the way that this looks. And if anybody says that they like bent grass that's, you know, mowed over an inch and a half and, and likes the look of it, they're a masochist and you should probably stay far away from them because they probably have <laughs> whips and chains. Keep away, and they're crazy. It's just weird, weird Keep stuff. away, they're crazy, weird. okay? Yeah. Never they're go nuts. in the basement to take, never go in the basement to take payment. All right. That's all I'm saying. So, um, <laughs> The so if they are not okay with it, then the then the conversation becomes this: is that by dethatching it and opening up all these stoloniferous growing points, right, that are above, right, on the surface, you're going to open up more growing points. It's going to allow this stuff to number one become more dense and harder to control, and number two, we're going to create material plant parts that are going to allow it to spread and potentially establish in other parts of the lawn, right? It makes no sense to do that if that's what you're trying to get rid of. So. The only time, and this is the only case I would ever do any type of dethatching work on bent grass, is if I was actively engaged in a program with tenacity to selectively remove it. And the way I mean that is that, you know, our, our standard course of treatment on those types of situations is going to be five apps, five days apart, 3.2 fluid ounces per acre. So low rates, high frequency, and knock that stuff out. Now, in between there, it's going to look like it's dead, and you got to dethatch it and pull that stuff out of there. And that's the only case right. that I would ever see needing to dethatch. So my other question for them would be, what are you afraid of? Like, what is going to happen if we don't dethatch the lawn? Mm-hmm. Tell me. I'm, I'm just curious. I, and I'm not saying to you. I'm just saying in general oh, is, what do you yeah, think the worst thing I is going to happen? Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I'm, I'm a lawn treatment company. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, yeah, and and uh, I outsource. You know, I I have I have friends in in the industry that will do that, and they will do do the dethatching bit of it. But um, you know, I I, I don't I don't. It, it's such a Herculean effort to get rid of and uh, you know look at these bare spots for a long period of time, especially in the spring, and and it's a, it's a tough job. No, no doubt, what? and I was. Go ahead, Ray. And what I'm going to tell you is that the time that I would not be tearing up a full season lawn in your location 
would be, I wouldn't be tearing into somebody's lawn in the spring right before summer. I just wouldn't do it. And again, right. the only time that I would consider tearing up somebody's lawn is if I'm in the process of killing and removing something like bent grass, which has been killed by selective herbicides to make way for fall reseeding or overseeding. But otherwise, I don't see the justification for doing this very invasive practice to a lawn in the spring. I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, it's, right. uh, it, you know, for, and for some people, I, I suppose they're thinking if you rip up this thing with the desatcher, it's going to help. Nothing could be further from the truth because normal pra maintenance practice for bent that's maintained as a desirable turf is you do rip it up, you scalp it, you then regrow it. That's how you take care right. of bent grass when it's a desirable species. So in other words, yeah. by detaching it, you're doing exactly what the bent grass wants you to do to it to help it survive. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. You're right. You're right. Well, hey, I, okay. I, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I love your show and uh, I will continue watching and I will uh, continue to promote it. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for calling in tonight. Thank right. you. Love thank you, you for guys. calling. All right. Love you too. Ooh. Right. Uh, let me ask you this. In mm -hmm. a case like that, you know, a couple of things that came to mind as you were talking there, it was number one, I don't know, you know, I have no idea what service charges, right? Like a, an LCO charges to, to do that type of work, but you know, maybe that's an opportunity to come in and upsell yourself mm -hmm. on, Hey, let's get you on a wedding agent program because this is going to be healthier, not only for the grass, but also for the soil, blah, blah, blah. To um, you know, use that as a mitigation strategy if there are thatch issues present. Or if somebody perceives there to be mm -hmm. thatch issues present, and secondly, you know, there's some some work that suggests you know that uh, the addition of uh, you know sugars like molasses and stuff like that can can have some effect. Can on, and, and I'm can some have, and that's what I'm saying is like so maybe if you if you really want to you know buy and go all in on something like that to sell that I have more faith in the uh, ballpark pseudoscience of, of molasses working than telling somebody, Hey, I'm going to come here and tear the asshole out of your lawn in May and then sew it back in for you and hope that everything goes well this summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about a cool season grass and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, my usual rules about thatch management on warm season grasses do a lot of those mm. rules also apply to cool season grasses and about, you know, right mowing height and right yep. fertilizer amounts at the right time? Agreed. That's that's so critical. Right? Mm -hmm. Caller, you're live. To whom do we have the pleasure of speaking? This is Josiah Thornton with Thornton Advantage Lawn Care in Atlanta, Georgia. Man, look at that. That was all the right. slickest that was the slickest intro we've had all night. <laughs> you, you have won the show, sir. 
We're gonna actually we're gonna <laughs> clip, we're gonna clip we're gonna clip that audio. <laughs> and we're gonna buy you a free month of the uh, phone made like the answering service for you, and that's how it's gonna answer for everybody that calls in. Because let me tell you what that that right there would sign me up for a full year package like right now. Like, listen to this. <laughs> all right. So all right. All the all the all the other uh, BS aside, how are you this evening, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Um, trying to hang in there, just uh, getting ready for spring to get started down here. Um, things mm-hmm. aren't quite out of dormancy with uh, the Bermuda and Zoysia. But um, mm-hmm. the question I had was, I've noticed on some of my Xenus uh, Zoysia few lawns that I got these weird brown spots um, mm-hmm. in the turf. And I can't identify it. Um, there wasn't any signs of disease before going into dormancy and I can't put my finger on what it is and what to do with it. Mm. Ray hey. spring. De- I, 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 I'm the, I know nothing about Zoysia, so I'm going to bow out, but I'm just going to ask spring dead spot. What are we, what are we dealing with here? No, no. You know what that is? That is literally the manifestation of what's most likely large patch. Large patch. That's what I'm thinking. I'm not spring dead spots. Yeah. And go on. And with large patch, when you see the damage occurring, is literally several months too late as far as a fungicide application goes. But moving forward, I can suggest that you treat it. Now, as the grass is emerging from dormancy with a large patch effective fungicide, and then make note of those lawns and plan on treating them in the late summer and fall with a large patch preventative program. Okay. 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 Now, I mean that, uh... and go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, so what 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 you're seeing right now is basically large patch damage that has occurred over the winter because the time to actually be watching for this is literally in the winter as the grass or in the fall as the grass is starting to go dormant. That's when you watch for it. But Full manifestation of the damage may not be apparent until spring green up. That's so what we're going Ray, to notice. So Ray, if he's gonna yes. if he's gonna go back and you know catalog these lawns and know that next year he's got to get on top of those, what uh, what would his what would his strategy be to uh, both timing that application and what type of fungicide should he be looking at? Okay. What he's going to be looking at is in the fall. Like, uh, when do you go dormant, sir? Uh, Usually by Halloween. It's it's pretty much done. Uh, But it really... Halloween. Yeah, it's really weird because we'll get, here in Georgia, we'll get one year we had 80 degree temperatures all the way until Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of 
kind of weird. It's it's not, but typically, it's, if everything is normal, then we'll mm-hmm. we'll have it's usually dormant by the end of October, going into the beginning of November. Okay, so what that tells me is you're going to do something like high rate azoxystrobin, for example, in. I want to say September. And what I'd actually like you to look at is Bayer Environmental Sciences has put out a program regarding large patch management in warm season grasses. And it kind of outlines in details what you need to apply and when you need to apply it. And okay. They like to they like to use this product called ProStar, and but actually, I t- tend to use ProStar more as a curative product. Like, say I'm a bit late on my application and I'm starting to see a problem, then that's what Pro that's where ProStar comes in. Likewise, I would probably do ProStar on the lawns that have the damage right now because I I still consider you in curative mode because you have the disease already and those lawns didn't get the preventative application in September. And the other thing that I would look at is do these lawns have a nematode problem? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. reason why I say that is because I have noticed an association between nematodes and zoysia and incidence of large patch infection. Okay. What's that? Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll so, have to scout for that. <laughs> we went ahead, we threw that uh, link up in the chat on YouTube. Of that bear, uh, there's like a white paper that they put out. Actually, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of lays everything out and makes it uh, about as straightforward as they it's, can make it. Because it, it is a trick. It's it's tricky, man. Because and I will say this of any of the patch diseases, right? And large patch is slightly different than what we deal with up here in the north. But the timing and of fungicide applications of those can be exceedingly frustrating because sometimes. You think you got it nailed and you find out the next year that it didn't work right and same mm-hmm. thing for uh you know the vice versa there so it's uh it's an interesting it's an interesting issue to have right anything from a recovery standpoint that uh that he should be aware of okay the other consideration that i would give is number one your nitrogen rate Other consideration would be your soil pH. I mean, those are things to consider because what I find happening is the worst thing you can do to a zoysia lawn is have it on high rates of nitrogen two or three months before dormancy. I would kind of Mm. uh, avoid that. I would avoid that. I'd start to kind of pump the brakes on my nitrogen applications 
two to three months before that uh, Halloween, uh, you know, date that you gave me. And so what that means is it's okay to fertilize some in spring and in early summer, but by August, September, I literally want your last fertilizer application, your nitrogen especially, to be kind of tailing off and ending. And the other consideration that I give is how's the thatch in these lawns? The thatch is fine. Uh, I pull cores out of them. Well, well, what I say about thatch is secondly, how high are these lawns being kept? Uh, uh, higher than they they should be because a lot of homeowners here or a lot of the companies are only having the lawns mowed every 14 days. So about two and a half Mm. inches, I think. (laughs) Oh, wow. Man. Wow. 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 I mean, because, uh, you know, to me, two and a half inches is typically the point at which I see a myriad of diseases in a in a zoysia lawn, not just the large mm-hmm. patch. I also see pisium. I also see dollar spot. Uh, and that is all related to how when you keep zoysia tall in a warm and wet and humid climate like uh, Atlanta, you just ask for and then disease, you irrigate. period. And then you water on top of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, as you might know, I'm from Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. And any zoysia lawn that is not mowed low here in Hawaii, when we go into our winter wet season, which goes between November and uh, March here typically, those are the lawns that get diseased the worst. They rot and die. Yeah, well, you you try to try to get the homeowners and explain that to them, but uh, yeah, they they just will not listen. They will not listen, and I think it's lucky for them that. Saw it as cheap in Atlanta. <laughs> Lucky for them. No, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, because... <laughs> Don't give me the woe Girl. is me $5 saw thing. Listen, you know, the, uh, well, if it's still $5 and inflation's done what it has, like that saw's cheaper than it's ever been for you. You should buy all that saw, yeah. all the saw you can, right? Yeah. Buy, buy it and stockpile it, right? <laughs> Buy it and stockpile it. I mean, man. Yeah. Well, having... I, I was the the pro stars. I never thought about using that. What I was thinking about it was a pro, um, propoconazole and oxystrobin was was something yeah. I was thinking about using on it once. But if it was in fact large large pack. However, I consider propoconazole and azoxystrobin combined. That would be an acceptable preventative application, but I do not count on that for treating actual, 
you know, active large patch or live large patch. It's okay as a preventative. Don't get me wrong. And like the equivalent air product to an azoxypropiconazole application would be their fungicide Armada. And that, you know, is similarly very effective as a preventative, but it doesn't do as well if you try to apply it when you actually have disease. I mean, when you actually have disease, basically your only hope is that high label rate of ProStar. And even then, that's not guaranteed. (laughs) That's not guaranteed. I mean, so, yeah, large patch is kind of a bad thing to deal with, Ryan. It's just not, there's no fun involved in it. No. It's all heartache. Yeah. It's one of those unfortunate things that there's nothing sexy about dealing with it or defeating it, right? It's just kind of one of those things that uh, you make all the preparation in the world and not always are you successful and that what that's what could be frustrating about it so yeah but 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 in the last in the last several years though ryan i've had some very good success but you mm-hmm. know what the game changer was for me addressing my nematodes that was the game changer for me mm. because once i went on a sting nematode eradication program on these zoysia lawns that ended it that ended the large patch that's amazing that that there's that correlation there never would have known that man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so well, what oddly you, enough, when you talk about the i'm sorry well the oddly enough the nematicide that is labeled for control of sting nematodes in turf grass residential turf grass is also an extremely potent SDHI fungicide. Okay. Okay, and uh, little tip on the lawns that do have a, lar- a large patch problem, my preferred fungicide then becomes this product called Exteris Stress Guard. Mm-hmm. And what, what Exteris Stress Guard is, what Exteris Stress Guard is, is it's a combination of Prefloxystrobin, which is a very effective fungicide against leaf spotting diseases and even large patch disease. And Added to that is this is the SDHI fungicide nematicide called fluopyram. And there's two reasons for having fluopyram. One is fluopyram is very effective for dollar spot. But the side effect of treating a lawn with exteris for large patches that you're administering effective rates of fluopyram for the nematodes as well. So you're actually treating the cause of the problem in this case, not just the symptom. So that's just some food for thought, something to consider. Okay. Okay. Cool. 
a lot to chew on. And yes, sir. Yeah. That's why, and that's why we record these so you can watch it back over and over again, and and take it all in. But yeah, well, I'm I'm sure we'll be doing more of these here come this you know this spring and summer. Uh, so if uh, if that spurs more thought, more questions, or whatever, you know, feel free to dial us up. Or if you uh, want to pound out a question real quick and you don't remember, or, and you don't want to forget, rather is you can always hit us up at mail at thegrassfactor.tv. That's mail at thegrassfactor.tv. Check us out right there. Also, J-Pink, uh, good time to to plug uh, uh, our Patreon, right? So www.patreon.com forward slash return. You can join us over there for the low price of an airport beer. You can get on our private chat server, ask us questions whenever you want. And I'm not just pitching our caller right now. I'm pitching everybody. So uh, check it out. See if it's for you or not. But Caller, thanks so much for calling in. Josiah, Josiah, is that right? That is right, sir. All right, I remembered it. It came back to me, so I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in, man. It was a cool subject. It was a good one to get on, and I always like getting educated on Zoysia, Ray. I think, you know, it's, uh, listen, that's that should be the T-shirt, Zoysia. It's better than Centipede, right? That's it right there. <laughs> yeah. that'll, that'll just trigger, actually, Matt, has a Zoisha love. He, he loves Zoisha. Matt does. loves Zoisha, but then that that that's because. And you know what the surprising thing is is that that is in spite of Zoisha giving him a bad time a, a few times as well. He, it's in spite of him. He's, he's a masochist. <laughs> he really is. We need to get that. We need to get that shirt made up for him. Hey Josiah, thanks, thanks again for Appreciate calling it. in, man. Have a great evening, right. man. You too. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for calling, man. Look at that. Man, I uh, I don't know why I said spring dead spot. I brain farted there. But yeah, the um, uh, any, spring, any of the patch spring diseases. Dead, yeah, the well, spring, spring dead, dead spot actually. Easy. Now. Yeah, that's pretty simple. Nowadays, I mean, what is it you... Uh, Go out with the full rate of something like uh, Kabuto or Exemplar in the fall, and then mm-hmm. no spring dead spot, right? I mean, that's not too strenuous. And no, it's not. Fortunately, it's not cheap. Fortunately, but... it's not cheap. And fortunately, spring dead spot mostly hits Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Mostly yeah. hits Bermuda. I mean, that, that's 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 my recollection of it, and. Fortunately, as I said, the treatment for spring dead spot in Bermuda is not that strenuous, and it tends to be extremely effective. I mean, it works. If you do do the application, it works. <laughs> oh, right. Here you go. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, chat question, what's the best way to treat centipede grass that's not had any pre-emergent or post-emergent and is now just starting to green up? You You know what? Don't do anything to it. Leave it alone. No, really, leave it alone. I mean, because where centipede becomes the problem child is the more you apply to it, the more you do to it, the harder it is to deal with. Leave it alone. I mean, with centipede, the it is very easy to overdo 
and be digging yourself a grave with the centipede. It doesn't like to be fertilized. It doesn't like a lot of herbicides. And so less is more on centipede. Uh, and I, I, again, zero experience with centipede, but everything, uh, everything that you and Matt both say about it makes me want to go try it just, just because, because I don't know. No, and you know what, Ryan, I have nothing against centipede. And in fact, I specifically recommend that for people that have or want a lawn on acidic and poor soils. I tell them do centipede because otherwise, if they don't have centipede, at least in my location, they're going to get chained to chasing their soil pH constantly. Mm. Okay. I mean, because I know neighborhoods here in Hawaii where all of the lawns are centipede, except for some people that uh, wanted to be creative and avant-garde and plant zoysia. And the centipede lawns don't get fertilizer. They just get mowed and they look fine. Whereas the zoysia lawns, well, there's zoysia lawns growing in acidic soil. So that gets interesting. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see here. All right. Let's see. Oh, Johnny Fesky says the airport beers are what the fifty dollars was for. Anyone? All right, here we go. Uh, this is from Jack B. Jack says anyone got a favorite one 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 with N from ammonium sulfate? Ooh. Yeah. I don't think they like, even make make one really I, because I had to get mine custom blended last year. Yeah, and the closest thing I can think of to an ammonium based one 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 is Yara. Yeah, and it's not. So look at the. But yeah, you know what Yara is. Mm-hmm. Yara is nitrated ammonium phosphate that Mm -hmm. is their their end source so that's kind of why there's a there's a special place for me for yara because of that nitrated ammonium phosphate (laughs) i mean if i was gonna sometimes you don't really have the best option so i think aldo said equalizer from the lawn supply Mm -hmm. company and it is just fine it is uh it's a soluble powder so if you want to spray it if you want to spread something ray here's here's my sort of hack i guess if you want to call it that would be get you some uh yara turf royale right which is Mm -hmm. a 21 714 and if you Mm -hmm. really really need a p and k if you absolutely need it get yourself a mat a bag of map and get yourself a bag of sulfate of potash, right? And you can mm-hmm. make those separate apps of additional phosphorus and additional potassium separately if you absolutely need them. Mm-hmm. Not the easiest well, thing in the world to do, but unless you're going to get a custom blend, I, I, I don't know if you're going to find it. I'll look and see here. Though, however, there's one other idea I have. How, however, in a lot of cases, Ryan, I've seen hundreds 
thousands of square feet of turf grown on nothing but Yara 16, 15, 15. Okay. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of very, very nice grass <laughs> grown on nothing but that. I mean, no I special, no special fertilizer. It's just enough nitrogen from that 16, 15, 15. Or if somebody wanted to be more nitrogen forward, turf royale. If they didn't need as much pee, throw it on turf royale to supply the nitrogen requirement and done. Simple. Yeah, Yara does a like a of... triple triple fifteen. I just don't know mm-hmm. if you're gonna find it anywhere that's stocking it. That's uh, turf royale is yeah, I... a little bit easier to come by. And I think that would be mm-hmm. the question in most let me see here. Most most cases, have... well, now, here's the scary thing, though, Ryan, is, you know what the factories in Europe shut down? The Yara factories shut down? Yeah. Are they, is that even going to be available anymore? Because, uh, you know, for the many years, I, I take it for granted that I call up my suppliers and... They have the Yara 16, 16, 16, because most uh, lawn and landscape people in Hawaii, they bring that in and they order that by the pallet because that's yeah. their primary fertilizer. I mean, they just use it. But I believe uh, I, I'm now kind of afraid, given what we've been talking about over the last several months about how the fertilizer factories in Europe are all closed down due to lack of natural gas supply <laughs> yeah i think that's uh, you know that's where they were bringing natural gas in over the sort of a burner return topic right it's fitting that we're talking mm-hmm. about it here on uh on sunday night but uh the there's definitely going to be I, I think you're going to see a sor- shortage of that stuff it's made in norway i think most most of the their uh smaller stuff you know their turf type yeah, stuff most- is made there so that's you know, that's going to be an issue for sure. Um, what there was something else here, real quick. Somebody said no. Okay. Um, oh, Aldo said plant marvel nutriculture. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right, Aldo. You know about that nutriculture stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, they, they have some stuff that that's all soluble stuff. Yeah, but I but don't I think, believe they're using it, a lot of ammonium sulfate in their products. I think a lot of theirs are urea based. And you know that uh, equalizer, Ryan, that mm-hmm. product was specifically designed to be all ammonium and nitrate nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Matt and I kind of, kind of worked on the formula there to, because I said that your ideal turf fertilizer as a soluble would be mostly ammonium and nitrate nitrogen. And you know what? Matt got it done <laughs> as usual. Matt does. got it done. And, uh, because like you, you know, your typical, uh, like Peter's 2020, mm-hmm. approximately 10% of the nitrogen in that Peter's 2020 is urea base. How about that? About, yeah, it's about just, that much. <laughs> uh, we got 
uh, Evie is jumping in here into my DMs and is showing me there is a, a product uh, called Greenview, G-R-E-E-N mm-hmm. View. It's a fruit and vegetable fertilizer is how it's tagged in the mm-hmm. uh, Ace Hardware catalog. In- now, it's not necessarily something you can get everywhere, I think, but look at that. But, yeah. 20, 23 I mean- bucks off the shelf at the at the local ace at the, so i'm at looking the local ace right yeah well aside from the uh ferric oxide uh nah. that i see it's like i just ignore it i don't i don't expect anything special out of that because as we all know when you combine <laughs> ferric oxide and ferrous sulfate with ammonium phosphate you're literally taking away a little bit of the phosphate and all of the iron because it just combines with the phosphate to form insoluble and not available ferric phosphate there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, that just uh, goes into the category of uh, nice try, but not quite. <laughs> I'm looking at it's it's in stock in a lot of different places here. And I'm just checking mm-hmm. a couple of different random ones. Zero two one zero eight. Check. Let's check our friends in Boston. Oh, uh, no. Oh, yep, yep, yep. It's in it's yep. It's in stock in uh the outskirts there. So yeah. I would highly look, uh, take a look at this. It's not a bad product to have on hand. And let's see, 33 pounds for 20 bones, Ray, is what I'm seeing on here. Mm-hmm. Let me send this yeah. to you. And uh, as I said, uh, I have nothing against 111 because the lawn wannabes. I know they always talk bad about 111. And I suspect it's because 111 makes them look bad. Because if your turf is phosphorus or potassium deficient, you switch from a high nitrogen fertilizer to a feeding or two of 111 and the turf looks great. What does that tell you? Your grass was missing phosphorus and potassium because your high nitrogen turf specific fertilizer wasn't supplying phosphorus and potassium. <laughs> well, and I think too that's something that uh, that's a whole topic to not get engaged in right now in terms of like the whole directional analysis of soil testing and. Uh, yeah, anyway. yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. All right, let's see if we got there was another question in here. All right. Matt Michael says, if you have had issues of leaf spot and melting out, when should you start treating cool season in the Chicago area? Well, so Matt, if you're, you know, if you're in Chicago, I mean, leaf spot season can start as soon as April. Right, so you better no. get out in front of it if you're serious about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, caller. Okay, caller, you're live. With whom do we have the pleasure of speaking? 
Uh, hi, this is Jack. Calling from Jack? New Jersey. Jersey. Jack from Jersey. How are you this evening, sir? Jack from Jersey. I'm doing well. How are nice you? Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Are you a, uh, I have to ask because it's the only uh, basketball team besides Rutgers that I know from New Jersey, but are you a St. Peter's fan right now? Are you riding that train? Uh, a little a little bit. I'm not a huge college ball fan, but uh, okay. Although, well, you got to appreciate the kid. Where? Sorry? No, go ahead. I do have a sister in Knoxville, so and I saw that uh, match team just got knocked out. Ooh, so I'm sure he's not yeah. too happy. Oh, he's <laughs> you know he's just ready. he's counting down the days of football season, so he doesn't he doesn't care. But all right, yeah, Jack, <laughs> how can we help you this evening? Uh, I have well two questions for you. One is um, so I have moved into this house like 20 uh, 18 years ago so i have an old you know old lawn i guess you would say right a mixture of everything cool season mm-hmm. and i guess i was trying to um trying to figure out like how to you know so you know i turned typical homeowner you know trying to make my lawn better started watching youtube i fell fell you know found the normal you know the crew of characters and then at some mm-hmm. point in time you know, I caught one of Matt's videos and realized, okay, this guy, you know, has bring something more, has, you know, sharing more knowledge than, than some of the other folks that are just, you know, largely selling products and whatnot. But um, I want to, I guess what I want to know is like how realistically, how much can you improve an old lawn? Like I'm, you know, I see plenty of the videos, everybody's, you know, killing it off and planting down new cultivars and all that fun stuff. And, you know, modern things but um i have i have like fifty thousand square feet i have my property's two acres but i <laughs> uh, half of that is lawn right so you know it's not realistic unless i wanted to do it in sections or something and i don't think i have that kind of ambitions right but you know how how i guess that's my kind of my curiosity how good can you get a older lawn looking i so i will say this is Number one, it depends. But number two is, uh, I think you'd be surprised at how good you can make it look and and be you know reasonably good looking throughout most of the growing season. Now in Jersey, right, like you can have some summers that are the absolute pits of hell, right, in terms of heat, you know, moisture, all that kind of stuff. But if you can learn to live with the fact that okay, hey, listen, when it gets you know really really hot and really really wet all at the same time you know, the lawn might not look as good, right? And and sort of live through some yeah. of those challenges and try to fight another day. Um, you know, here's what I would say is that, you know, the getting the basics right to start is, you know, and then adding a layer as you feel like you've mastered each one of those layers and go up from there. So, you know, the first one obviously would be, um, I don't, you probably don't have irrigation or anything like that, right? On a on no, that I, I actually okay. got a quote two years ago. They wanted like seven thousand just for half my yard. Like, yeah, nothing. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Okay, so no irrigation. All right, so then that you know that tells us a couple of things of when we need to get products and trying to time things around rain, things like that. Second thing would be mowing. Yep. What are you mowing with, and how frequently are you able to mow on a lawn that size? So thankfully, uh, I'm a work from home. I, you know, I'm another IT guy that's into lawns. I know you guys talked about that at one point, laughing about that. But um, so I do get to work from home. So yeah, so I mow. You know, I'll mow is well. So like things have improved from you know some of the different things that I have learned so far. Right. So um, I can get I can get out there 
probably every three to four days in the okay. you know, we're in the in the heavy growing seasons. Um, try to make sure the blades are sharp. I got a lawn tractor. Uh, I mean, actually, last fall I was pretty happy with the way the lawn was look, working, so I'm, I'm making progress. Mm-hmm. Um, kicking kicking around the idea of a PGR this uh, this year. Um, okay. I'm watching. I know you guys you did the show the other night. I started. I got about halfway through that. Um, okay. Strictly because you know, like you said, no irrigation, right? So preparing for the stress of summer. I know that's one mm-hmm. benefit. Maybe a little bit darker green is a benefit. Mowing less yeah. is a benefit, right? Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I was thinking about trying that this year, um, you know, just to add one extra thing to the, what I've been working on. Makes sense. All right. So then real quick, then spraying and spreading, what kind of equipment are you using to get that stuff done? So I have a tow behind sprayer, uh, 31 gallon, the one, the North star or something. Yep. Uh, I forget that. Mm-hmm. North star sprayer. And I yep. Have, yep. And um, I also have a, uh, now I've got a tow behind um, uh, spreader as well. I was trying to trying to get my exercise by pushing that thing. And that I, <laughs> last time I did it, no. it was 95 degrees. No. Like, you know what? No. No. <laughs> so I'm over it. No, that's a no. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's some Richard Simmons sweating to the oldie shit right there. I, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a no from me. But uh, okay. So all that being said is I think a couple of things is if you can uh, do these three things and then see where that gets you and and evaluate it after a year. And one thing I will caution you on is taking too short or too small of a sample size and saying, wow, this, you know, this didn't work or that didn't work. Right. Uh, you see that you're making progress. So, and I would also document that with photos, right? So, because it's hard to remember what it looked like. Hey, what did it look like in April when I'm trying to think back in August? Those are all, you know, telltale things and hopefully will allow you to, to do this plan. So number one is mow it and, and really try to tick, stick to that one third rule. I know that's an old rule of thumb, you know, old wives tale kind of thing, but it's, it's really been proven to work. If you want to keep the grass without stress, you know, as much as possible, try and do that. Number two is from a fertility standpoint, I would love to dive deeper into your program. Maybe uh, Ray, maybe even have him on the show and talk a little bit more about it. Who knows? But I, I think um, so. I think so. I mean, yeah, yeah. If you're show. trying to max it out, but but so that I, I I would be interested to hear more about the fertility plan and try to nail that, especially in the fall. Uh, so coming into this year, you know, not sure what you did last year or anything like that, but. I think really trying to nail that here over these next you know, six to seven months for a really, really good thing I would say is, you know, you're really not going to worry too much about disease, I would imagine. So in that case, I would, I would focus more on weeds. Like if you do have weeds, trying to uh, identify those correctly and then um, have us help you out with selecting the right products to control those, get rid of them and focus on pushing, uh, all the energy to that uh, beautiful, uh, how do we want to say this, Ray? You know, I, uh, it's like a, like an you know, older grass, like an old woman. It knows what it wants and it knows how to get it, Ray. It's the same thing with grass, yep. right? You know? Yep. yep. That's I mean, all you got to say about that. You know, all these, all these hipsters and their young grasses that are high, high maintenance, <laughs> you know, needy, <laughs> cost a bunch of money. That's a good like, point. Hey, I am trying to keep it as low maintenance as possible. Yeah. There you go. And there you go. And I don't you know want to. What? I don't want to spend every living moment on it, but I'm just trying to 
maximize what I have. Yeah, and I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I'm not trying to show yeah, up. Because, because you know what? Uh, in a lot of cases with lawn care, I am the advocate of the less is more mentality. Okay? Less is more. And less can work better, provided you do things at the right time. For example, right. your heaviest fertilizing time should literally be starting in September up that until the time that the grass starts to, you know, go to sleep for the winter. And in spring, your big concern should be weed management. That's when you hit the weeds and hit them hard. And so going through late spring and uh, summer, the thing that you then worry about the most is keeping the grass mowed. You know, right. it is not like what you see on YouTube where these guys are spreading or spraying something on the grass. It seems like every week. That's not it. <laughs> At all. Right. And that was, that was something that I appreciated learning from Matt and, and from you guys as well. It's like, you know, it, you get sucked into those videos and you see these, you know, you think this is what you got to do. I even tried some of those products, didn't really see anything <laughs> shocking. And then when you start to learn, it isn't really all that necessary. It's like, wow, I'm glad I, I'm glad I tuned into the right channel. <laughs> you know? Mm, um, thank you. Thank you. for. <laughs> no, I appreciate what you guys do for sure. Uh, a lot of us homeowners do, you know, that, that stumble across. Yeah. It, it, it didn't take me long to realize that there was a, you know, there's a difference, you know, in what, in what the, what you're, what you're trying to do here. So I, I appreciate it. Um, uh, and then to your point about you the weed is, sorry. Uh, I said, we appreciate you too. Go on. I'm sorry. Uh, just that, uh, as far as my weed management, yeah, that's the only thing I've done so far. I got my prodiamine down. Finally, I sprayed that a couple of days ago. I wanted to do it sooner, but I actually had trouble with that, that sprayer, the, the, uh, the motor, like the pump wasn't very happy after the winter so i had to kind of get it primed but once i figured it out it sprayed fine so mm -hmm. um Always, the only other, oh, only other question i have for you sorry good no go with your last question sorry, Ryan. okay real quick yeah um there's a couple areas of my lawn that kind of seem to hold water and uh i wasn't sure if you had a uh, suggestion on on what to do there like so you know, i've definitely dialed back my program to just working on you know, the fertilization type stuff and the mowing, you know, trying to, like I said, the one third rule, trying to get it before it's too high. Um, but I wasn't sure if there was another product I should consider to improve the water penetration. It, like in certain areas, it, you know, it's mostly just heavy rain runoff, but it'll kind of pool there for a period of time. Um, I don't know. Wasn't sure if I should, if there's something I should consider for that. <clears> oh, <throat> I mean, how large or what you know what type of area are we talking about in the lawn within this 50,000 square feet are these like puddles that are like you know 8 10 feet across or are these like large swaths of the lawn that lay wet like this no more like puddles like you were like you were suggesting gotcha yeah so let me see if i can find man you have a good picture i could show this is a little bit hardcore but i will at least give you the idea uh, where are we at here? Uh, let me send this to JPink. Right 
It's yeah. also with the idea of too, like you know, because I don't have irrigation, right? Like you want to, you want to capture, you want to be able to maximize every drop you do get, right? So I, I have there's another area that's slightly sloped, and it's also near the road, right? So it's by the blacktop. It's always hot, so mm -hmm. of course that's my driest and you know least lush area, so to speak. Um, sure, sure. So I'm just, uh, just trying to figure out how to maximize yeah. the water. Well, that's just how it how it goes because uh, what I noticed is that any area that is near pavement or concrete tends to be a little hotter, and right. there are no good hacks that I can think of to address that other Hell than yeah. water. That's the only thing I can think of is water and. Other than that, uh, that's just uh, the nature of it is that your roadside areas may be a little hotter because of the heat reflected off of the pavement. Totally agree. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, a couple of things I could see in those areas uh, along the driveway and things like that. Like sometimes you'll find that, you know, you get spillover from the driveway construction. And there's like there's more stone and rock and things like that. And those are the soils, mm -hmm. which is going to, you know, predispose it to being drier naturally. Plus, then the higher surface temperatures adjacent to it, it's not a very good area conducive for growing good turf. So those might be areas where if you want to experiment and mess around with some of the wetting agents and things like that, absolutely can do that. I, I wouldn't see an issue there. Um, in the little, like, what I call bird baths, right, if it, it really is a big issue, um, you can go ahead and do this method here uh this is oversized for what you would need to do you can go to the local rental yard home depot whatever get yourself uh, a one or two man auger auger some holes out and then backfill that with uh, a good quality sand uh, not necessarily play sand but if you can get like some concrete sand something like that you should have pretty good decent success at using that as sort of like a uh a sump uh in effect so Again, in a larger lawn and, and bigger turf areas that aren't irrigated or aren't going to be, you know, like a showpiece or anything like that, you start to get a little bit more uh, functional over form, right? In those cases, I can see something like this being sort of a high impact, low effort type of solution that you should try and employ and see how it goes. Right. Ah, okay. the, uh, the the drill and uh, fill method. Yes. Yes. That is that is that is something that uh i I really believe in for areas that people tell me the water seems to be you know pooling in that area. My answer to that would be drill it out and refill all the holes with some sand there's are you no talking, uh like an aeration or are you talking something like you got on the screen here <laughs> like an auger like, like a, what you get a one man Look, yeah. Like go, 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 go get a that. one man auger because the other thing I, I even uh, I even do that with these uh two or three inch planting augers that uh I attach to an impact just read my mind. right. Yeah, so, you could do uh, you that. Know, like I, I, <laughs> another thing I've seen yeah, work I, well is like the bulb planters, right? So uh that's, those, that's, those actually work. that's what I was thinking, yeah. Yep. How deep you got to go? Um, I mean, uh, not that that's what she said, but the deeper, the better. 
Um, <laughs> Boy, did I walk into that one? Yeah, you did walk. You did walk. Yeah, uh, that was you know, that was uh, a softball. If the, yeah, yeah, yeah. If the, if the soil says I taste metal, then you've gone too deep. But uh, <laughs> the uh, that I would just st- I, I would stick with something in the like you know twelve to eighteen inch range if you can get down that far and um start with that and see how it goes okay yeah i mean that's what that's what i like uh on poorly drained and poorly aerated soils is to start drilling 12 inch by three inch holes you know spaced rather close in the area like a hole every 12 inches and then refilling all of those holes with some good uh, masonry sand and just uh and you know, that's the, how you, that's how you and then the grass will most likely fill right into those areas right it should, yeah yeah uh, you know depending on how big the if you're in the ball planter stage and if you've got tall fast you'd go ahead and throw some seed in there um again it's not gonna be a quick process and you know i think expecting that those stay open for you know even an entire year is not on uh, out of the question uh trying to get grass to move and cover those over but Again, short-term pain, long-term gain kind of thing. And then, you know, see how that goes. I think at some point, in, uh, the heavier, more clay-like your soil is, I think, you know, you're going to see some reduced efficiency from those. You know, it's going to help. There's no question about that. The question right. is, to what degree, like how many holes do you have to put out there to actually see a noticeable difference? And then, uh, moreover, is longevity of that, like, at a certain point, you're going to lose, you know, efficacy on the ones that you do have out there, and you might need to add more if you plan on sticking around I that gotcha. house for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, and you yeah, just mentioned just, fescue, uh, right? So, considering I'm in like Central Jersey, is that and that kind of my best bet for for like if I did wanted to try and improve the lawn and, and overseed after some aeration and stuff, is fescue kind of my best bet? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lack of irrigation and lack of maintenance. I want to do. Correct. I think on unirrigated, I think that's going to be your best bet. Um, okay. All the way around, you're not going to get, Kentucky, you're not going to like Kentucky bluegrass, either getting it established or maintaining it without irrigation. So yeah, tall fescue is going to be your best bet. Yeah, because Mr. Ryan Norris' videos kind of got me excited about the uh, about the um, what's the other one. Um, uh, ryegrass. Oh, brown um, ryegrass. Oh, yeah. You don't want to grow. Yeah. You do not want to grow ryegrass in Jersey. Ryegrass. Uh, unirrigated. Uh, you know. Oh, no, 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 no. Because... No the guy at the at the site one was looking at me strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love Ryan. Ryan's a great friend, and uh, he would even tell you that that's not a good scenario to not do that. <laughs> so you're yeah. You're because gotcha. live and learn. Yeah, yeah. Because. Uh, you only do what Ryan does with his lawn if you have in-ground irrigation. You know that that's just uh, how it is. I mean, uh, and, that uh, and a fungicide program that's like bulletproof. Pro pro grade <laughs> fungicide program, yeah, and plant growth regulators, you know, dialed in. I mean, the whole the whole nine yards and. I start yeah. to consider the idea that, uh, for one thing, all I'm going to say is that uh, the better you want a lawn to be, 
sad truth is that the bigger and better your sprayer and spritter has to be. <laughs> That's just how it, how it goes. <laughs> because uh, that pull-behind sprayer will work on, you know, making these, you know, low low level, you know, pre-emergent and weed control applications. But for fairway level lawns, uh, you're going to need yeah. more than that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. That's out of my, that's out of my interest range. So. Yeah. So, cool. uh, you know, I, I'd say, Hey, keep it simple. <laughs> keep it simple. It's, that's exactly my, uh, my strategy. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. I appreciate me taking my call. Well, nice thank, thanks so thank much. you for, for calling. Uh, watching you all. Thank you. All right. You guys have, have a, a good night. evening, sir. Take care. Let's see here. All right. We have Jay Pink. I got one question in the chat I want to talk about real quick, and then we will go over to our emailed in question. All right, so Johnny Fesky wants to know, Ray, what's your thoughts on the products like Ultricia N being a viable uh, or being viable for turf grass use to provide some in? I can't find any research on it relating to turf grass. So, for those of you that are what not is, familiar, it's a it's a product. What is Ultricia? Mm-hmm. And it is basically. Hang on a second here, J Pink. Here's the label, and back here okay so basically it's it's it gets in the leaf and it uh is a way of fixing nitrogen in a more uh, efficient way essentially is what they're mm -hmm. claiming in terms of crops right nothing has been done um nothing's been done in turf to my knowledge i'm sure they're experimenting with it but from that standpoint, uh, be interesting to see what comes of it. So here's one. This is on cereal crops. Let's see. Okay, I see a usage case scenario on range and pasture, and I would probably translate that down to turf grass. And five ounce per acre application, and you apply it just once. You just apply it once at that uh, indicated uh, growth stage, which is apparently early in the season. Is, eh, I mean, it's interesting stuff when you start reading about. Um, so we've talked a little bit about um, some of these um, biological know, products. Yeah, right, biological but, products that that mine nitrogen. <laughs> yeah, well, we've this, talked uh, about it on the, on the burner turns. Plant, yeah, yeah, these plant inoculants, right? right? And I think that's it, it, there. It, it's such an emerging type of thing and you know just 
quickly scrolling through some of the research here that they've got on cereal crops, which is about as close as we're going to get to turf right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll say, they'll even tell you that there's some wildly inconsistent data, but the stuff that's out there that's good is like really good. It's not like it's, you know, from dog shit to okay. It's from, okay, pretty good to holy shit, this is amazing. So, uh, to I think wall, that's yeah. Where, yeah. How's that? How's that for X axis, boys? Huh? What do you think about that? How, y axis. However, here's my thought on it. Uh, Let's hear it, Ray. Once you inoculate the turf grass with this Ultricia, how do you stop it? How do you stop it? Because. Great question. You know, my concern as far as turf grass is concerned is having a lot of available nitrogen at the wrong times of the year mm-hmm. and, and I, the, the wrong times of the, of the year ryan can include midsummer or cool season grasses mm-hmm. and fall winter or our warm season grasses i mean how do uh, how do i know that this ultricia would not be supplying nitrogen nonstop from spring till dormancy without stopping. That would be like somebody loading down the fertilizer continuously from spring till dormancy. Uh, and that's, that's the thing. Something... I don't. I. I, I it, well, and the, so here's the other thing too. Here's here's one important point. Johnny Fescu, as I sit here and think about this, is, uh, you know, where these are being studied are in, you know, cropping systems that are, for all intents and purposes, annual, right? We plant them, we grow them, we harvest them, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Turf grass is a perennial cropping system, right? Multi-year, multi-decade, so how how does it respond in that? Who knows? So, but the the next time I see a Cortiva guy, I'm going to ask, find out, because Oh, you know, Ray, sometimes you got a FAFO, yeah. right? Yeah, sometimes you got a FAFO, but this would be one where <laughs> the ne- next time I run into a, a, a Cortiva guy, I'm going to ask the question too, because I'm sure they were thinking about this, and this must be why I don't see it even proposed for use on turf grass because of that time of nitrogen action issues that i'm talking about or thinking about i'm pretty sure this must be why there it's not even a thought because uh how do i know that this is not going to be releasing a lot of nitrogen on say turf type tall fescue in july i have to go back and look Oh man, this is gonna kill me. I I I don't. I'm not gonna go look for it right now. But you know, there's there was some good work. Uh, I think Tennessee. I think Matt's Falls mm-hmm. did this work about you know. So the same mm-hmm. principle, right? Of using what what the premise here of this whole product is is like creating a legume like effect, right? Where you are able to yes. you know, the plants able to fix nitrogen out of the atmosphere and you know and turn it into mm-hmm. ammonium, convert it to ammonium. And so this work that was at Tennessee was specifically in turf for how much clover can we add to a system 
right to where it's mm-hmm. still stable and, and useful right but also uh and this is like in a sports turf application how, come, how much can we introduce that it's still stable and useful uh, for athletics but then also too is understanding how much nitrogen is being introduced back into the system by that and i want to say that if i remember correctly and don't quote me earth truth if you're listening cover your ears not, 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 not. but i i think it was 10 percent clover and i want to say that the uh the deposition of nitrogen that it was a uh as a result of the clover itself was like less than 20 percent of the overall nitrogen that went into the system that year so it's not a dramatic effect it's not as if and, and i think that sometimes oversold Right when people think, well, I just you know add clover and it's beneficial, and, and and it is. There are benefits to it. Don't get me wrong, um, but it's not like a hey, this is going to supply, you know, fifty, you know, fifty percent. Let's just say of nitrogen for the entire system for an entire year. Is it more sustainable? Yeah, but when you put traffic on it, when you put it under stress, when you mow it low, when you do all these other things, that creates an incident or, or a uh, a type of system that's just not able to be balanced out so there's got to be some trade-offs there whether you know whether it be from traffic from mowing height whatever it's a deep dive topic but hey the plant inoculants and turf grass we should get on that wormhole here soon ray yeah yeah uh likewise uh i've known that if you have these inoculants uh then my question becomes how does that plant respond to additional nitrogen being applied? Because I know in the case of something like uh, inoculated leguminous crops, they tend to basically scale the amount of nitrogen fixation according to the amount of nitrogen that is being applied as well. So what happens is either you supply it mostly through the inoculum or you just feed conventionally. And I think it's, if, uh, if anything if anything's going to uh, move this conversation along further and faster, Ray, uh, it might mm-hmm. have just been you know, one of our, our favorite uh, burn and return subjects, but Vladimir Putin. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Portiva thanks you as well. So, all right, <laughs> there it is. Right? In, oh, oh no, that's Matt. That's Matt. That's, that's Matt. actually, you know, it, it's funny. People will say that, um, you know, we photoshopped that head on, but it was actually Matt who took that that picture first. And Vlad was so inspired that he's like, you know, in Russian, of course, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, he made the uh, FSB go find him a bear and a river, and they did the whole thing over again just to be like Matt. So special. That's the effect that Matt has on people. Amazing. All right. Uh, let's do this uh, writing question from our, our Midwestern friend real quick. And if, let's see what time it is then, and maybe do one more call before we get out of here. Pull it up here, Jay Pink. This one's kind of a novel. Or do you just want me to read it? I'll read it. I'll read it. All right. I got to scroll up here. It's like an entire page. And it's good, though. It's very descriptive. All right. Here we go, Ray. Greetings, Matt, Ray, and Ryan. Right. Oh, 
I'll skip to the point. However, really enjoy listening to your show. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but aren't we all? Sir, I can empathize. All right, so he says he's in central Indiana. He's got a fescue lawn with 34,000 square feet. Purchased the home in 2018. Lawn was mostly Kentucky 31 and neglected. Sad state of affairs there. That's my editorial, not in his letter. I've since overseeded every fall with Falcon 4 uh, heavily, the turf-type tall fescue mix. All in all, I have been pretty happy with my results. Prior lawn was perennial ryegrass and only 8,000 square feet and shaded. So this tall fescue was a change for me. All sun at the new place. All right. So my question is regarding fungus. Every May, like Clockworth, around the 10th to the 15th, I've suffered what I assume to be leaf spot and run my own headway. So he's rolling his own uh, and getting uh, getting good results. Any thoughts on lessening the leaf spot? Or is this a lifelong endeavor to treat every 28 days or so as a preventative to live the previously existing Kentucky 31? Temps in May are typically in the high 60s to low 70s, whereas night times are in the 40s to 50s. I have less than high hopes from the local knowledge of applicators in my area. <laughs> One company was out of this month spraying three-way and prodiamine and billing customers in 30-degree weather, while other services have recommended spraying Enclave with chlorothalonil as an active ingredient to cure leaf spot on my <laughs> residential lawn, whichever <gasps> labeled is not a desirable candidate for leaf spot. Grass has typically been maintained at three and three quarters of an inch by May 15th and would have about a pound of nitrogen at that point. Resided wide open farm country, so air circulation is no issue. However, I'm dropping the end rate in the spring to a half a pound in efforts to curtail uh, the fungus and also dropping the height of cut to about three to three and a quarter. Any thoughts on this? And then he's also included a soil test and some picks. And let's see what we're working with here. So here's our soil test. All right. So, uh, oh, they ran the bray on the phosphorus. Props to these guys. All right. Indiana. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. I don't see anything here, Ray, that is uh, really egregious. Other than, you know, or, the, or... This looks like typical Indiana soil. You know, you're going to look at that magnesium and calcium and probably freak out and say, hey, it's a tight soil. It's going to be a silty, silty soil like you would see just about anywhere else here through the Midwest and the breadbasket through central Ohio down the I-70 corridor. So nothing shocking no, there to me. No, no, nothing shocking. Nothing shocking to me either. And looking at this soil, my counsel to this guy would be... Think about lowering the amount of fertilizer you're applying overall because the lawn just doesn't need it. Not a lot. Yeah, and I, it doesn't need a I lot. Don't, don't know. He didn't really say an annual N input. All he said was that they do, you know, he's doing about, a, he was typically doing about a pound prior to, say, Memorial Day. And I would say, yeah, you could definitely cut that back at least to a half a lot. and maybe maybe to zero. I mean, if you do maybe your. Maybe to zero. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, do so your the, fall fert. <laughs> yep. Right? Do the fall mm-hmm. fert. And because, you know what other people have told me? When they cut back on their spring feeding, they notice that their summer disease season is not as brutal. I wonder why. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the thing I would say too is you know get your uh, 
I would say that, that getting the end right first before worrying about that. Now, Leaf Spot isn't super influenced by nitrogen rates, but in general, right, it's something that you'd want to be mindful of. Uh, I think running your own Azoxy, look at that thing. I, I, I don't know when this picture was taken, but it looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. Prune those trees out with the stump grinder if you'd like to, but... Uh, <laughs> you know uh you know the, the here's the, the the couple things i would say is just you know back off on the spring end um you know if you want to keep it in the program put it in on the back end at the end of the year and try to focus on doing it then and i think you know your your results might change as far as the leaf spot thing i do believe that that's having older cultivars out there i don't think that's anything you're going to be able to get away from you're going to live with that and it is what it is for the time being, right? Spray your own headway, roll that, and uh, keep it rocking going forward. On the soil test, there's nothing I see here that indicates that you need to do anything other than nitrogen only at this point. So focus on your N. In this case, you really could have your pick of the litter. If you want to do ammonium sulfate, fantastic. If you want to do urea, fantastic. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong either way. Ray, anything else to add? Any other thoughts here? Uh, for a very nuanced and uh, plenty of detail question. I really appreciated this one. Well, I also would like to add that uh, if you can get your height of cut down a little lower, that also does something as well, because when you get your height of cut down a little bit, what that helps to do is dry up that turf canopy a little bit. You know, make it yeah. so that it's not as not holding as much water in there. I mean, dry it down a little because that, Brian, is why I don't like to deal with grass over an inch tall here in Hawaii. I don't like to do it because that's just a disease fest. You that, know, listen, that's just <laughs> doesn't matter if you're you're uh, inside or outside. Ain't nobody going to appreciate limp and floppy. That's just the way it goes. And that's life. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, well, for me, uh, wet and warm is good for something else except grass. <laughs> Just saying. Right on, right on. <laughs> Just well, saying. hey, right. It's uh, listen. We're coming up on uh, over two hours now. Two hours and twenty some minutes by my watch. But listen, this has been great. I uh, if, again for those of you that are just tuning in or tuned in late. Uh, Matt is dealing with a very, very important issue at his new plant. You know, he really wanted to be mm -hmm. here, but he's not. And two thirds of us are. And listen, it's the yes. uh, <laughs> it's the fattest and the skinniest of the two thirds of us. And you, you should be appreciative of that. Right. So uh, <laughs> all that being said, we thank you. We we had a blast. We'll do this again soon. And for the rest of you yeah. all uh, come over, take a look at us over on our uh, private discord as part of our uh, Patreon, and you can join that at www.patreon.com forward slash burn return for the low, low price of an airport beer. Come join us, have fun, kick it every week, learn, live, and Ray, know what you're doing because if anybody's going to explain the why, it's all y'all right here. Thanks so much. Have yeah. a great evening. Good night, all. <laughs>